when I finished there, I said, I'm going to keep going because nobody will ever tell me again they're going to find me because I don't have the credentials, right? So that's when I, I, I got my associates and then I went into a, a program I found. It was a, it was a Bachelor of Fine Arts uh, with Visual and Technical Communications. This is the Living Numbers Podcast, where everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Of course, make sure you all share, rate, review. You all know this is not your first routine. Go ahead and like this and five stars. Like, come on, let's do it. Also, merch link in the description. Cop some merch, hoodies, t-shirts. I even have phone cases. So there we go. Now that we've paid the bills. Of course, when we have somebody on for the first time, uh, they have to get an elaborate intro. So this person here is hailing from Derrida, Louisiana. She received her bachelor's in visual and technical communications, I believe from Southeast College. And she earned her MBA from Bellhaven University. Correct me if I'm wrong when I'm finished. That is correct. At Houston Community College, she served as web content administrator and adjunct professor, professor teaching small business courses to the future CEOs of America. One of the wisest, sweetest, and most understanding people that I know. Mother to us all, I present. The Stephanie Jones, but more affectionately affectionately known as Mama J. Say hello to the people. Hello, everybody. Tony, that was amazing. Thank you so much for that. It was ACC and uh, American Intercontinental uh, University that I got my bachelor's. But thank you so much. That was an awesome intro. I appreciate it. Hello, everybody. I'm glad I tried tried to do you justice because Mm -hmm. I'm sure everyone who knows us and is going to watch this, there's so much, so much to you that it's hard to get you into this little 30 second intro. So we are going to kick off with our first number and we have to go back to where it all started. So in 1903, our first number, Dorito was incorporated as a town. Okay. (laughs) What was it like growing up in this small town? I mean, I'm sure to you, everything was normal. It was your your life. But what was it like growing up, I guess, like in the sticks, I would say? Yeah. Well, the interesting part of it was I when we got to Derrida, my father was in the military. So he, so he was stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana, um, in the Army. And um, I was in the third grade when we got there. So, yeah, and, and we kind of described the area that we lived in to the T. You know, it was like, you know, a little house with a lot of woods around it kind of thing. And um, we stayed there. It was right next to the elementary school. But growing up in that in that time frame, it was kind of like normal because we came from um, my mom's hometown, which was in Garyville, Louisiana. And it was like country as well. So, you know, we felt commonplace because it, we were used to a small place and um, 
it was where when you get to know people, like everybody knows your name kind of thing. So it was it was really fun, really, really, really fun as a child because it did not have a lot come with a lot of pressure or a lot of um, you had to be a certain thing or a certain way to fit in. It was just a really good, comfortable place to be. Did you ever think like this is a place that you would stay like for your entire life? Because some people, they grow up in these small towns and they never leave. Did you ever feel like you would be that person too? I never felt that way. I didn't know how I would get out of the Ritter, but I never felt like that would be the place. And and I, and simply because as I grew, um, I know that was, there were limitations on the types of jobs that were there. There were limitations on um, like what you can actually advance in. You know, there was not a whole lot going on. Things grew after I left to where now there's more exposure. There's more things incorporated within the area. You know, more businesses grew and that kind of thing. But it wasn't that as I was growing up. So I never looked at that as as a place to live, but I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. (laughs) What's your best Derrida story? I know uh, Pops always talks about Black Larry. He's the the famous person that I've never that I've never met in real life, but his <laughs> his memory lives on. So, yeah. do you have any people growing up that you were around that you just have some great stories with? I would have to say it was high school and uh, just some just just really cool friends. I I remember it was Marilyn Clara Weta and um, who else? The, but the the the. the the four of us, Marilyn, Clara, Weta, and myself, yeah, the four of us, we just had really good chemistry. We, we grew up, uh, well, they mm-hmm. were like, like Weta and Clara were cheerleaders. I was not in the cheerleader. I played volleyball. Um, and then Marilyn, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't remember what Marilyn did, but we, we clicked and we did everything together. We went to parties together. We had fun together. We just did stuff. And that was like my time because you know, after after we graduated, everybody immediately just kind of like went their separate ways. Marilyn and I went to college together, but I didn't stay there. I got married and had a baby. And so we my my life took off in a whole different direction. But yeah, yeah. that Marilyn and Claire and even today, you know, I can connect with the three of those. And it's just kind of like old times. We just kind of catch up and keep going, you know, keep keep it going. That was good. That chemistry, when you have it with somebody, is is very hard to describe. Like you just, there's just this this unsaid kind of understanding that everybody has with one another. And when you have friends like that, you really try to keep that going. So, are there some people that you would say outside of them as you begin to grow and branch out? Right, you you go to college. That that kind of caught your I caught your eye, but that you built that same chemistry with. Um, yes, and and they would have to be the people that I I started working with at Houston Community College. Mm-hmm. I started working there um, in I think it was nineteen ninety five. It was ninety five, nineteen ninety five when I started working there, and I worked. First of all, as a, as a student in uh, the the dean's office. And mm-hmm. I, I worked with the academic dean for about three years. And then I switched over and worked with the student dean. <clears throat> and during those times, um, you know, I, I engaged with people who started working in, in the college as well. But 
Uh, Regina Wilson and Cheryl George were two people that, you know, that we connected with and we just we just formed formed a bond and we were always there for each other throughout that whole my whole experience at Houston Community College. Um, they're still there and uh, they're younger than I was, but um, but we we connected and just about we relied on every each other for everything, for strength, for, you know, like when things were tough or whatever, just. We, we did, but we encouraged each other and we, we continued because those are the ladies that I went to school with in terms of getting my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. And we just kind of like helped each other along. So they would be the ones that I say that I formed bonds with and relationships with that I still have even to today. How would you compare, you know, growing in a small town and then ended up in a big city like Houston? How would you compare the two? Like, what are the pros and cons from moving from a small town to a big city? Um, at first, I, I thought it would be it would be hard, and then I really had heard horror stories about Houston and crime and that kind of thing. You know, that's kind of like the bad news kind of like meets you. Um, but what what I realized was that you know the areas that I stayed in, they were not crime ridden. And, you know, it was easy for me to interact with people around me. And I think that's been the most thing that I could form relationships with people around me instead of just kind of like being in, in, in a place where I just didn't know nobody and didn't know how to reach out. I think what happened in my growing up, it's so funny because I, I always think of this. I always go back to this and, I, uh, and I'll share and then I'll tell you why. I remember when we was when we used to walk down the street, you know, like when we would go visit one another, we walk down the street and, you know, we always say, you know, I'm going to go walk my friend home and they're going to walk me halfway back. We always had this thing. But as we were walking down the street, it's kind of almost like you had to speak to people everywhere. Like, you know, people on the side, how you doing? Good evening, miss, da, 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 da. And you had to do that. Mm -hmm. And when you didn't do that, you know, they would call your mom and say, well, you know, you know, you know, and they called me Tisha back then. You know, Tisha passed by here and she didn't even speak. And so I learned that because mom said that that was always important that you acknowledge the people that you didn't sleep with. You know, so it's like, you know, you didn't, mm. you woke up with your sister. It's like, but everybody else, you speak to them. Even when you walk into a room with people, you speak to them because that's, you know, that's, that's just right etiquette in terms of dealing with people and, and interacting with people. So that was really, really, uh, that came as a norm for me. So when I was able to do that and gravitate to people, you know, other people who were like-minded or, you know, they were grew up, grew up the same way, they responded back. So that was always a, you know, a easy way to make a connection. I remember walking in when, when, when my husband was stationed in Fort Ord, California, <clears throat> I remember I was going, I worked in the hospital in, in uh, records at that time. And I was walking down the hall, coming back from getting coffee or something. And soldiers, military soldiers were lined up on each side. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to walk through this. And so as I was walking through, I felt like, OK, I need to say something. So I said, hey, y'all. And here I am in California saying, hey, y'all. And people looked at me. They kind of almost laughed, you know, when I walked through because I just felt like I need to speak. You know, that's what mom taught, taught me to do. And so I did that and uh, we just kind of laughed it on. We all just kind of like, you know, I, I felt a lot at ease, you know, after that. But speaking and, and, and engaging with people, that has always been something I learned as a child. So that made the transition easier, 
you know, no matter where I was, and it just made it easy for me to connect. It's nothing like just speaking to somebody, saying hello or what's up or hey y'all, whatever lingo you choose to use, exactly. it disarms people. You know, so you may find yourself in a place that's not that's not great as far as reputation is concerned. Yeah. But, you know, as you begin to speak and form these relationships where I don't necessarily need anything from you, you know, I'm just speaking to be polite and to see how you're doing. You never, I mean, it it can take you a long way. I'll tell you this short story. Uh, It was just finals week last week as I'm a high school teacher and I've got these kids for anywhere from 13, 14 to 18, 19. And if you didn't get it right the first couple of times around, maybe 20. So during this time, people are kind of in and out of classrooms. Some people that don't have anything to do, they're exempt, whatever. So I'm the classroom that people like to come to. And a lot of times I tell people, no, get out of here, get away. We are busy. And then other times, you know, if you catch me on the right day, sure. Come in. If you with somebody that I like. Mm-hmm. So this kid comes in that I know. I'm like, hey, what's up? His sister is in my class. Mm-hmm. And then a friend of his comes in. And so one thing that I always tell kids, or I ask them this question, I say, when you go to somebody's house, who do you speak to first? And like, you know, I speak to the people that, that live there, parents. I'm like, okay, so when you come into to my room, who do you speak to first? Exactly. So you come talk to me first. Say what's up, and then maybe I'll let you stay. So we had a little laugh about that or whatever, but it just goes back to what you just said, just kind of being brought up in that kind of small town and speaking to people and building those relationships. And it's so important. And we can't go through life without building relationships. And that actually brings us to our next number because uh, you've alluded to this person a few times already. Uh, but your husband, also known as Pops, Papa mm-hmm. J, and our next number. And when I saw this number, I was like, um, I haven't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> so the number is 103K, mm-hmm. which means $103,000 in this right. reference. And that is the average pastor salary in Houston. So I'm like, uh, maybe at the big time places. But you know, Houston has a lot of mega churches, but that's neither here nor there. You actually are are married to a pastor. And I want you to give us the origins. How did you all meet? Because I know y'all have been together for a long, long time and known each other for a long, long time. So I think this story takes us back to a familiar place. Yeah. So high school. Actually, mm-hmm. when I got to DeRitter, uh, we were in third grade together. There's the same third grade class. And most of our classes were the same because in a in a in a, in a uh, small town, you know, your grade travels with you. So the people that you're in the class with, it just travels. And so uh, sixth grade, I got disconnected from that from the group that we traveled with, and um, because my mom felt like I needed to be in a different class for some reason, I think later she realized that 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 was a mistake, but. I forgave her for it. Uh, so <laughs> after in our in our the summer of our of my eleventh grade year, um, Carlos and I connected 
And, you know, he was a pretty popular guy, basketball player. He played, he did a lot of sports. And so I didn't really find him interesting because I think I, I, I didn't go for the whole popularity thing because I just felt like, yeah, 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 y'all, you ain't all that kind of thing. And so <laughs> he called he called me one day and he asked me, you know, um, well, he just started talking. And then he said, you know, you want to go to a party or whatever. So I said, yeah, I'll go. I didn't I, I didn't have a bar. I didn't have, you know, it didn't really it didn't really dawn on me that I did not have a boyfriend through school. And so mm. at that time when he asked me, I was like, yeah, sure, it's OK. So we went to the party and, you know, we, we had several times that we went out together. And uh, on one of those dates, he had, he said to me, he said, uh, he said, I love you or something. And I said, eh, one day. So then he said, well, I'm going to make you love you kind of thing. So, you know, it was like, I, it did not phase me. I mean, I didn't see him as everybody, all the other girls saw him. I just saw him as another guy, you know. And I was not, I mean, I love going to the sports, to the games and stuff, you know, because that's where we had our fun. But I really didn't, it, it it wasn't exciting to me. So anyway, he that was his challenge that he put himself on and he did, he did. He, he actually <laughs> poured into the relationship and 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 we we, we did have a, a thing going on. And so from that 11th, that summer of the 10th grade um, through life, you know, we got married in December of 75, graduated in 75. And, um, we got married and had our little family and he went in the military. And so we, um, we traveled, but that was it. We were, we were together from that point on. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was comfortable because, you know, we grew up together. We spent a lot of time together and we knew each other, you know, I mean, of course, when you're on a marriage, you know, knowing each other in marriage, that's totally different. But it was okay. Uh, we learned how to work through a lot of things. And I think I, not knowing a lot about marriage and then went away from where family was, where I can, you know, have my resources to call on or whatever. It's looked like we were way away. And that was the other thing, being in California. You know, you, you were so far away from everything. It's kind of like you have to now really depend on God for everything. And that's, you know, was a part of that, even in marriage that, you know, when things got rough, you know, you can't just run home or where you going to run because mm -hmm. in California, everything was so expensive and we were on a military budget. So you just can't go get in a hotel. You just have to kind of stay there and work through the things that you are, are struggling with, that kind of thing. But, you know, we learned through it all and we grew through it all. So that's kind of like where, where all that happened. How come y'all got married so early? Because you were probably, what, 18 or 19? I was 18. I was 18. I was pregnant. I got pregnant in the, like, my senior year, at the end of my senior year. And I went mm. to college. I went to the University of Southwest Louisiana, which is, was in Lafayette. It's a different name now. I can't, I, I don't remember what it is now. But I went for that summer. And that summer, I was so miserable because it's like, 
think I'm pregnant. I think I'm pregnant. And my girlfriend, Marilyn, because she went with me, she she was in, in, she went to the same college that I did. So we roomed together. She said, did you tell your mom? She said, oh, did you tell your mom you need to go get checked? I said, I said no, I didn't. Oh, I can't no. tell my mom that. So it's kind of like, you know, went through the whole ordeal. And then she encouraged me to tell mom. I told mom. And so she came, got me. We confirmed everything. I went back to school. But then I decided to set out the next semester because I just, I don't know, I guess I just didn't know how to be or um, whatever. But anyway, Carlos went to the military and I think it was August of that year. And then in December of that year, um, that's when he came back, we got married. And then in February, we had my first daughter, um, Tamara. Um, but, you know, that that was kind of like, you know, the early marriage thing. And then from that point on, we took off and went to North Carolina where we were stationed at Fort Bragg and you know, we just moved around from there. So that's what t- took me out of Derrida, gave me exposure to life and marriage and, you know, all of that all mm. at once. I wouldn't advise it to anybody because, you know, that's, that's <laughs> not an easy journey, but, you know, we did it. God bless us. To do it. You didn't know how you was going to get out, but no. sure enough, you got out. I got out. What are some of the, I don't know, some of the, the, your most fond memories? of, you know, kind of being married to somebody in the military and moving around so much? I enjoyed the travel of it, just being able to go mm-hmm. to different places and then meet different people, you know, in those places. I um, I enjoyed the work, working because, you know, we, we always were able to find churches that uh, were more smaller and membership and, and more personable. And so that's, that's kind of like, was was the fun stuff that kind of like reminded you of home because even though you were mm. in a faraway place you connect with people and then you are um united so you find yourself spending most of your time with those people and activities and events and you know just a just a good feeling of being away from home and then there were people there that you could talk to and you can rely on and you knew that you can trust because you know you built those relationships so those people were very helpful in in the in the time frame that we were, you know, trying to establish and grow, and uh, very supportive, they were very supportive of us. That reminds me of when I went to China. One of the first things that we did was we found the church to be a part of, and so, like you said, you start spending most of the time with these people. You go to Bible studies. Bible studies are always the best because uh, yes. that's when you really start to build those relationships and break bread with each other and discuss things that are in the Bible, outside of the Bible. Yeah. And so being at those Bible studies and then myself being able to teach those Bible studies too, which is yeah. something that I always enjoy. They just bring people together. And so it's nothing like having a, a good church to belong to. And eventually uh, your your husband became a pastor, which he tells this story all the time. Uh, but how did you see it from your perspective? Kind of Knowing y'all, I know that y'all had some some rough beginnings, but how did you kind of see that come full circle? Because you had been kind of in this life since six years old. Yeah, the, the funny part about how all that just really came to head was, um, like I said, I always went to Bible study. I always, you know, was a part of church and that kind of thing. And in California, when it was time to go to church, my husband would go to the beach. He'd take my daughter and they go to the beach. And because uh, we live where we live was right close to the Pacific Ocean. And, and so it was just such a beautiful 
place. But that's what he did. And um, it wasn't until, I mean, he came to, to church with me periodically, but like I can almost count the times um, that he came. But when we when we moved to Houston, we um, started going to a mega church, if you will. And uh, as we went to that church, it was Brentwood Baptist Church in, in the southwest area of Houston. And as we went to that church, one of the things that... Um, that we did, we got involved. I got involved and youth ministry was my thing. I did youth ministry for 19 years. Carlos, on the other hand, we, I was, uh, I was a part of a home sale Bible study and we would meet like every, I think it was every Saturday night and Carlos would never come. He very, very seldom. If he went to church, that was one thing, but he never went to Bible study with me. And so one day I decided to ask him to come to my house and have Bible study at, in my house. Cause we moved around from house to house. Mm. Well, Carlos decided not to be home that day. So he went out and just hung out with his friends. And then <laughs> at two or three o'clock in the morning, he comes comes to comes back home, you know, just to make sure he misses the Bible study. Um, I was, um, I had the Bible study praying for him. You know, we were just praying like, Lord, you know, just, you know, open his eyes, turn around. And uh, one day he decided he was going to go to Bible study. And at that time, something different had happened in his life. And it was crazy because he came to the Bible study and then he asked the Bible study teacher, could he teach the next lesson? And I was like, wow. What? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, and so I was like, oh, Lord, he's, he's going to embarrass himself. He's going to embarrass me. And, you know, it's kind of like I got the whisper in my ear, like the Lord and the voice that it was, she was saying with me. This is what you've been praying for. Uh, and so I just, mm. I didn't say anything. I just like, okay, you know, I'm stepping back out of the way. And so he, uh, he taught that next week and he taught and he just blew it away. It was like wow. he had been teaching all along and it just really shocked me uh, so much so. But, but after that, he became a Sunday school teacher and he taught. Uh, a class he started with one member, and by the time we left Brentwood, it, that class was over like 200 people, and wow. I was just like blown away. But he did get ordained to preach, to be a you know to preach, and um, he started you know preaching even while we were still there. And uh, after we left that church, then um, that's when we started you know the church that he pastored for seven years. That that's kind of how that all came about. How did that change things at home? Because, you know, going from, you know, avoiding church at all costs <laughs> to now being the Bible study teacher, yeah, I'm sure that had to change things at home and how he dealt with you and the kids and different situations. So please tell us. It did. It did. And, and it was it was really it, it wasn't really an easy transition. I mean, I was more, I was very accepting of him, you know, coming in because that was what I was praying for. But when he came in and when he started to grow, it's, it's like he started to his attention focus on um, the Bible and what he was teaching. And I think he lost a he lost a. Um, um, what what was it? Something that 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 interacted with me in terms of you know now he wants me to be at this place because he's at this place 
And not necessarily that I wasn't, but it's like, you know, there there was no humanness that he had to deal with. And so I mm. think he lost his 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 place for humanity in that, you know, was always, you know, the the I I for lack of a better term, the holier than thou with you know, I'm up here kind of thing and, and that kind of thing. So that was that was some major adjustments that we had to do. And um we started having Bible study. We actually started having church in our home. And as we had church in our home, um, I was the one doing all the work. He was the one like fellowshipping and, and hanging out with the people and teaching and doing all of that after, you know, and just afterwards. So it was kind of, it was, it was really hard. It became a struggle for me because I started getting, <clears throat> getting very frustrated with the fact that I was doing all the work and he was, you know, more or less mixing with the people and stuff so much. So to, you know, it, it, it drove me away from wanting to have, you know, anything at home because I know that I was going to be the one stuck with all the work of things. Mm. You know, he was going to be passed in a pastor role and that kind of thing. So it it wasn't until a long time after um, he was pastoring that he really came to understand why it was so so burdensome for me because it it was more of a burden than than a blessing. You know, yeah, I wanted him to be in that role. Yeah, I wanted him, but it's kind of like, I, but I didn't want to be in the background where all I was doing was the work, and I was not able even to be able to appreciate the serve being in the service or being in the Bible study, missing all of the teachings because I had to make sure that all of the logistics of things were in order and everybody was accommodated, which which is it's a normal thing for me. But when you turn when you put me right. in that capacity, it just was too much. It was too much. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't easy. And then after he he stopped pastoring, um you know, I, I continued to move forward in ministry because it wasn't like a switch, anything I had to switch from, but he really struggled. So I think that in that time frame, it was where God had to work some things out in his life. And, uh, you know, he became a chaplain at the um, Methodist Hospital, which was really good. And I think it was more in line of where his gifts were best suited. And, mm. um, you know, it's amazing how God moves you around and how he interacts and just kind of like reshuffles you or resurfaces you. And he was the best at what he did at, in, you know, when he was in that role as a, as a chaplain. So, you know, it was a win-win for both of us because then I had the freedom again to, you know, be engaged in ministry and learn and grow without having this heaviness, you know, that it was, it was just not what I wanted to do kind of it's amazing how we can be in an area that we love and enjoy, but the work can be so burdensome at times that there yes. is no more love. There is no enjoyment. I don't even get to do the things that I liked about this, this area. And so now I want to get away from the area that I used to love. Oh, sure. And so I'm, I'm glad that that happened and yeah. things were moved around to where they could be best suited for everyone. So. You talk, or you already talked about what were some difficulties, but what were like the cool parts about being a, a first lady? Um, I, you know, I laugh at that first lady because I hated that term, you know, first lady, because I just like it being able to interact with the people. And I never introduced or, 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 you know, when I, when I, you know, like when somebody new came, I never introduced myself as a first lady, but 
and, and when I didn't, you know, it's kind of like I was able to gain genuine friendships and that kind of thing. Mm. But I, whenever that term first lady came, it's almost like people liked you because you were the first lady. It's like, nah, that's kind of almost superficial. I just like being me yeah. and, you know, just interacting with people, just being me. So, but we had some really good, it, 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 it gave me the opportunity to meet people, to engage with people, to minister to people, you know, those kinds of things. And that, that's something I really enjoy doing. And even in Bible study, I, I was able to just meet people where they were. At that time, I was more focused on youth ministry because that has and that had been the area of calling where God had 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 uh, had me to work in, and um, it, it was just good. It was it was so good being able to pour into people's lives and being able to help them to come into a relationship with 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 Christ with the understanding at their level, and um, it was just just fantastic. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So we've talked about a lot of your personal life, but professionally, you went into like web design. And so back in the 80s, I'm sure, well, I'll just let you tell it because I'm I'm just thinking, like, who's a web designer at that point? It's not what it is now. It seemed like it was just a very kind of foreign, new, untapped field. So how'd you get into web design at that time when you were going into college and just yeah. had a baby and trying to figure out life professionally? Right. Well, you know, it was funny because <clears throat> as we traveled, I didn't, I, I took classes along the way, but I didn't really engage because it was on military base. So I just kind of like taking classes, but there were classes that could transfer to a major if you know, the, 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 wherever I landed, wherever that would be. Um, but fast forward came to, um, I started working actually, let me, let me go back a little bit. So I, I, in, um, I think that was 1980, 7980 is where, um, well actually it was 80 more 80, getting closer to 81. That's this is this is funny, and I got to tell it. Um, I mean, not funny, funny, but I have to share it because I was in Fort Worth, California. That's where we were stationed, and we knew we were going to be leaving in about six months, right? But I got this job in an office environment, and uh, it was the the in HR. Well, as while I was there, they had this thing called the Wang W A N G. Wang was a word processor at the time, and it was like this big, huge, monstrous um, piece of equipment. And so the ladies, they they didn't demand that I work on it, but they told me, it's like, oh, you can use the Wang if you want to, right? So the whole while I was there, I was like, uh, you know, I just kind of like stayed away from it. Not really even thinking about it. I just did everything on a typewriter and start over. You know, you mess up and start over like duh. So anyway, moved to Houston, fast forward, moved to Houston in uh, 1981 and could not find a job. Every job interview that I went on, and I want to say it was probably between 10 and maybe 19 job interviews Mm. that I went on. Every one of them asked me, do you have any Wang experience? I, you know, I just like scream and it's like, wow. So the, the, the job that I did get, it was a civil service because I was working in the civil service at the time 
in, um, in California. So when, when I started working in civil service here, I got a job at the Army Reserve. It was 75th Mac over on OST at the time. And the guy, you know, he, he welcomed me in and he says, well, we got the Wang over there, but we don't have any money to send you to training. I said, give mm. me the book because I would never, <laughs> I would never, I would never again have that experience. Mm. So I learned it. I taught self-taught. I started to taught myself how to use the Wang on the job. And then I taught everybody in the, in my area how to use the wang, and then everybody who came in, then it was expected me to train others. You know, I was even training people outside of my department. And uh, probably after two years, uh, one of the ladies out of the financial department came over and she says, um, I have a person that's at one of the um, one of the business colleges that wants to interview you for a teaching job. And I was like, Ooh. but I've never taught before. She said, you've taught everybody here how to use the Wayne. And that's what you would be teaching. And so when I went on the interview and I, you know, did a little, little test or whatever and, and uh, you know, talked to her, she says, when can you start? I was like, wow. You know, so I immediately gave my two week <laughs> notice at the at the uh, reserve center. And I started training. I started teaching in a vocational school. And I was teaching people not only on the Wang, but how to use the other word processors. And there was probably three or four other ones that I learned. And then I started teaching and, and training other people on it. So when um, there was this lady um, that I um, worked that came, came in and she got a job and she was over everything. And because I did not have a degree, she did everything she did to kind of push me out. Right. So, you know, I, I got fired just because of the fact that, you know, I didn't have the, the degree or the credentials, so to speak, as she was expecting. And so I decided, OK, I'm going to go to community college. You know, I'm going to get back in school. So this that's when I started. Me next time. Of, yeah. And because I had all this background, that's how I was able to uh, qualify to work in the dean's office. And so from one dean to another. But um um, once I, while I was in school, one of the things that I was thinking about was I loved photography. That's my, that's been my passion. And I was like, wow, how can I do photography in this? And I, and, and there was these little cards that was coming around that was, you know, I, I think Hallmark or somebody with little kids dressed up as big people. And I said, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to create yeah. cards you know, and, 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 and highlight little people or whatever, you know, kind of thing. So I was like, okay, what program can I, can I, can I focus on, you know, while I was in school? Because at that time I, you know, was going to get an associate degree because I was at the community college. And then they had just started bringing in programs with the, all the graphic technology and that kind of thing. And mm. I was like, oh, man, I really want to explore that. So I did, I got into that. I got to exploring it and everything. And uh, actually, my degree went toward um, technical communications, in which I learned all of the graphic, the Adobe programs and that kind of thing. And I, I absolutely loved it. Um, 
when I just when I finished there, I said, I'm gonna keep going because nobody will ever tell me again they're gonna find me because I don't have the credentials, right? So that's when I, I, I got my associates and then I went into a, a program I found it was a it was a Bachelor of Fine Arts uh, with visual and technical communications. And that was at Internet American International um, uh, University, and they had just opened a branch in uh, on Richmond. In, in, in the Houston area. So I started going to that one and that's when I got my degree and I got my BFA. And I, I was just so proud to say, I have a BFA, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Visual and Technical, Technical Communication. And now you can't stop me. You know, nobody can stop me. So then I yep. said to myself, I was like, okay, now what am I gonna do with it? And, <laughs> and I, I, I remember, I remember just kind of like pondering over that because I was still working and going to school. And I kept saying, what am I going to do with it? And it just came up to me, go web, go with the web, go with the web. And web was the, the, the easy thing for me because I didn't have the natural creativity for um, the design of all of the other programs. But web, I can do just like that. I can I can do it. And um, when I went to um, started applying for jobs, um, at my at my 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 current job, there a position came open for a web, and I was like, I said, I don't know. It's like that's that's that's, that's really taking a, a major step. But then I talked to the person who was you know like instrumental in in you know the, where the job was going to be under, and they told me about mm-hmm. what it consisted of, and I said I can do that. So then I applied yeah. for the job, and I got it. Now that was in. 2010. That was in 2010. By this time, like I said, I had already had my bachelor's and uh, my associate, and they both were in the same area. So it just took off. And while I was there, the the web at the college, it started moving in the direction where um, it was at that time under communications department. And it was going to move to IT. I wasn't really sure. I was tossed because a lot of what I had was IT. But then with the graphics part, that was communication. So I was like in the tail of two cities. But the two cities was fighting for the web. And I was like the one that got pulled back and forth with with the, the, the departments. But anyway, started working in the web in, in communications, moved to uh, IT because the web moved to IT. Then... Three years later, it moved back to communications. I moved with it. So, but I was always the like the main source uh, who was working web stuff, and it just I, I loved doing it. And actually, the posi- each position that I was in at that point was created for me, and um, I, I dared wow. to move because it the it I mean you know it was designed for me with the salary and that kind of thing, and no matter what the implications were of what I had to deal with and the frustrations I had to deal with, I stayed because that job was created for me and I knew it had my name on it. So I, I stuck it through. Yeah. I remember. I remember yeah. those times yeah. going back and forth. I don't know what they're going to do. Y'all pray for me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Uh, I also remember you and um, Adrian and Randall, y'all were going through this course for nonprofits and running small businesses. So how did you, I mean, it's an easy through line, but what, what was the experience that made you go, okay, I want to actually go here and get some paper behind the information that I know and the things that I've kind of been doing already for years. 
Well, and, and that, that kind of started like with my MBA. So, so when I was mm. doing that, when I was, when I was doing the work, I, um, one of the things I learned in IT was that you almost had to have a business background in addition to your, you know, all of your technology and that kind of thing. And then I was able to work with different people on my job to see how that works because analyzing systems and analyzing uh, applications and that kind of thing and seeing how they best fit into, you know, certain certain jobs and certain office structures and that kind of thing. That's kind of what I learned there. And so I didn't really even understand IT. And I just kind of like stayed away from, oh, I don't want to do that. So we're not interacting with people. But I I made it that kind of interactivity. And so once I got my my um my uh, MBA in, in business, then um, that next level was um, the nonprofits. Like, mm, I need to do that because I, I, I always ha- I always have been business minded, but then that was pushing me more in the direction to learn how to do it from a non nonprofit perspective. Even though I didn't mm-hmm. finish, I, I did get it was it was um, my my niece Adrian. Um, Regina, the girl that I went to school, you know, that, that I worked with, and then my daughter Carla, and then myself, we all started the program together. Uh, but Carla was the only one that finished. And and the, the funny part about that is they they denied Carla getting into the program because you know she had you know some 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 challenges you know getting her bachelor's and her grow with her grades. Um, but I wrote a letter to the person who was over and I said, hey, look, out of all of us, she is the one that needs to do it. You know, and she ended up acing it and she came out yeah. really with honors. But he took he took it. He said, OK, I'm going to give her that opportunity. Y'all are going to be a group and work together. I'm going to give her that opportunity to work with you guys. And 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 and, uh, and wow. hopefully she'll do. It. And she the rest of us. Kind of, well, Adrian finished after her. Um, Regina just kind of, we, you know, we, I woke up one day and decided I, I'm not going to write another paper. So I got <laughs> on and, 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 and checked myself out. I said, I got one master's. I'm good. You know, and Regina did the same. And so, uh, Carla finished first and Adrian finished, but yeah, we all kind of helped each other along. That just reminds me of like, I have a, a coworker. She's always asking me, when are you going to go back and get your master's? When are you going back to school? And I just tell her, I'm not going back to school. It's not happening, especially if I have to pay for it. It's just not in the cards. For what I want to do, why? Why? Why do I need to go back to school? So you brought up photography, which brings us to our last number here. And on your website, you have five categories of photography. Do you know what they are on the spot? So I have events. I have um, children. I have, um, what else do I have? I have weddings. I think I have weddings. I have uh, couples. And then I have um, like high school. um, Yep. You know, like high school or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well done. Yes. Uh, sometimes I ask people about their website and they go, man, I made that thing so long ago. <laughs> I try to stay with it. I know. You talked about photography earlier and just your passion for mm-hmm. it. Where did that come from, number one? And then number two, how did you kind of turn the, the corner to start actually working in that area? 
photography was something I always loved. And I, everywhere I went, I was taking pictures. I had my camera. It's kind of like it was tied to my hip. Wherever I, you saw me, you saw my camera. And uh, mm-hmm. I just really like capturing the moment. I love being able to share with people what they experienced, you know, because I was like, I captured it all. And then now they get to relive it because they see the the images that, that I captured in, in my photos. So it's, it was always something. It did not become a thing until my nephew, who was living with me at the time, um, Trey Trapp, he said he was he was trying to get into singing and he had to do some stuff and send a portfolio of photos and and that kind of thing. And he said, Auntie Stephanie, would do you mind taking my 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 photos for you know whatever it was that he had to submit? I said, sure. So I went out and we just played with it and we just had fun and we 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 went to different areas and different sites and different poses and it was just amazing. I was like, I'm actually doing the photo shoot. And when I look back at some of the photos, it was like, I can do this, you know? And so that, at that point, that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to go, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to make this a thing. I'm going professional with this. And I knew mm-hmm. I still had a lot to learn, but I had the craft. I was able to take that camera and make it do some things that, you know, the, the person could use and, and so that's kind of where it got started at. And from that point on, it's like every opportunity that I got, you know, people would, would pass the word around and people would ask, could you do my, could you do my photos? And I said, sure, I'd love to. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm not that good in the business part of it because I do, I, I'll do a lot of, of uh, promo kind of things. And it's like, okay, at some point I got to get serious about this, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like where it started what events do you like doing the most i like events like we had an event this sunday where we had like an angel tree event a a christmas you know focus Mm -hmm. thing i love festive things i love those kinds of things to be able to capture everything that happened during that time because you know like for me if my thought is if if you weren't there and you looked at the pictures i mean i'm sure you're going to see the video but if you look at the pictures you can almost get a feel for like what happened and and you know you felt the excitement in the room from the pictures and you know so it's 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 events that you know that there's something exciting going on uh weddings i i don't gravitate to them unless they're smaller because they require a whole lot of other things. And, you know, we did a, a wedding for one of our um, church members, but she had three photographers and we all knew each other. So we were able to share the, 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 the role. There's a major responsibility for the as large, a larger event. So I, I keep getting called back to events that are manageable. Uh, and I would say like maybe 300 total kind of thing or, you know, uh, on down. But I don't like to, I, like I said, weddings, they require so much more. So I'll, I'll do a small one, but I won't, I won't, I won't do a big one by myself. But I, I just enjoy, you know, taking the, the, the moment and turning it into memory so that, you know, mm. the person can experience it after the event is over. Uh, definitely know firsthand. That you do great work uh, with photos uh, because you did mine. And I see your photos all the time. You do the photos for our church. So uh, you're awesome at that. And there'll definitely be an opportunity for you to plug your business soon. Thank you. But you've moved into a 
a place that we all hope that we can get to one day. And that place is retirement. <laughs> Are you aware of the 4% rule? Have you seen it before? Have you heard of it before? I have not. I have not. And when you put it down and, and I think, and, and here's the thing, I, I think more that I haven't because I was so ready to get out of my job. I didn't even calculate the, you know, I was like, yes, I'm able. And, and, and financially, you know, we can handle the, the household and that kind of thing. So I have not, Tony, I had, had not until you put that in there. So I, I didn't even know that. existed. So I was just looking for a number and I think I Googled like how much money do you need to retire? And then I saw this and I was like, hmm, this could be pretty informative. So the 4% rule says if you divide your desired annual retirement income by 4%, then you'll kind of get the number that you that you need to get to. So for example, because I'm sure people will follow this and go, what? How do I do that? So for an income of $80,000, you need to a retirement nest egg of about $2 million. I just thought that's crazy. Who's who's, if you've got 2 million bucks, you probably are fine with retirement. You don't have to worry about it. So how's retirement been for you? What are some things that you've been able to do that you were looking forward to? So it's really been good. It's really been good because it's given me such a freedom to work in areas that I really enjoy working in, even in my volunteer services for the church. It gives me the freedom to do that without being overwhelmed with, you know, work, work, and then um, retirement, you know, being able to to, to volunteer time. Um, so I've, I've loved it from that perspective. I remember when I first retired, my mom told me, she said, make a schedule so that you can put everything, you know, in order the way you want to do it. And, and then you don't find yourself she said, because sometimes you feel like you got time to do this, you got time to do that, and, and you don't realize time will run together if you don't have it organized. So still, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm doing that a whole lot better because she made me focus on that. So that's that's something that I am um, constantly trying to do. I've got days set up where I, have to, I can do this, that's that. And then my husband has business uh, where well, we, we both uh, car business. And at the time, when I first retired, like we were just moving cars, moving cars, and it would cut into my time. And I was like, this is not why I retired to work that hard. <laughs> so so um, we, we we got that, you know, where that is confined to like different airports. So I don't have to work as hard in that area. But um, the thing that I my desire is and I'm moving in that direction and I see more and more moving forward. I just haven't moved as fast as I want to. And that's OK. Um, moving into, I want to do photography um, in the in the different areas that that I mentioned. I have not ever like really done advertising. My advertisement has been word of mouth, so people come to me based on you know somebody that has gone to them. I haven't done a lot of social media with it, and um, I have posted some of the stuff that I've done, but not really made a big push. Um, but now I think I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to go in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have this desire to use photography too, to, to make greeting cards because that, that's actually where I started from the beginning. I wanted Walmart. to do that. And now it's kind of like full circle. It's like, okay, now I can go back into it and, and just do it. So I think this year has been a year for defining that a little bit more. Parents were sick and then I lost both of them. So that took me away. That was a priority that took me away. And now I'm just, at the point where I can focus 
and 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 do that. And I've got I'm I'm almost there. I got all the things in place now, and I actually have I've started to do it a little bit more. And so uh, I'm moving in in that area. I just I got to get that that marketing and that social media that part together. That's kind of like where I'm lacking at now, but uh, everything else is in point in time and it, I mean on point and it's ready ready to go. Have you had any other like unexpected hurdles? I mean, those are some, you know, the business stuff and then your parents. Obviously, that's yeah some things that are very difficult. But right. any other things where you go, huh? I didn't I didn't see that coming. No, I think it's I think it's more of time and and actually just designating that time and 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 being being intentional about it, you know, because I kind of like let it go to where it's okay, I'll get to that, but now I have to put it on the calendar and says no, I'm going to do this and 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 time it out. I'm going to do this here. I'm going to do this and do that, and then just have an organized plan and structure for. For that, because time can get away from you. I mean, there's always mm-hmm. something else you can go and do, and that's what I had to come to the realization that everything, every, all the extra stuff, takes me away from the thing that I want to do most. And sometimes you just don't want to do anything. <laughs> that's, and that's so true. I've had those days, and it's like, now I'm just gonna stay here and just be still. Be still. You're right. You're so right. Wow, we've come to the part in uh in the show where we do our three what's and i ask you three questions and you can go as long or as short as you would like so for our first one what's an opinion that you have that will be considered unpopular um i don't like a lot of traditions that you know if it's too traditional mm. i say oh, that's just tradition i don't do that that kind of thing it's, i don't like Traditions that make you do the same thing over and over and over and over again. I don't like that. Boring. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm with that. Okay. If you weren't in, well, if you weren't doing photography, right? Because you're retired. You can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. What would you be doing? I think I would focus more on administration. Um and and just helping people out in whichever ways I can or ministry, you know, between uh, administration and ministry, doing whatever I could to help help other people at whatever level. Helping people. That's not a surprise. <laughs> okay. With helping people, what advice would you give to someone in high school? I would tell them to, first of all, make the best of high school. Learn as much as you can. Stay focused. Um, I think I lost my focus in my senior year uh, because things can get so relaxed. But I would say stay mm-hmm. focused, stay in it, do the best you can, do the most you can uh, so that when you get out, you got choices. You have choices. You can go and do things or whatever. Or by that time, you will have uh, been able to make a decision about the direction that you really want to go into because so often, Kids go get out of school, they go into fields and they they spend three or four years in college and they realize, I don't want to do that. I was talking to a girl in, in I went to JCPenney the other day and she was at the at the register and I and uh, she told me she was in school. She's had another job. But in, oh, she said she wasn't going to work on Sundays. I said, why not? She said, because 
I have another job now. Don't tell anybody that. I said, okay, no problem. I said, well, are you in school? She said, yes. I said, what are you What are you in school for? She said, well, my parents think I should go in, be into Uh-oh. like medicine and that kind of thing. And, you know, like a doctor or whatever, nurse or whatever. And I said, what do you want to do? She said, I want to do a forensic science. I said, all right. I said, I know your parents are paying for it. So if that's what you got to do, I say, but don't lose that. I say, because that's where your passion is. So stay with it. So I, I think whenever you discover that passion of what you want to do for life, you you should be able to move in that area. So I would say, you know, discover, try to understand, learn as much as you can and, and see what pushes you in that in the direction of where that passion is lined up. And as you get out then you'll have a good idea as to what direction you need to be moving in. And you won't have to just take like, this is, this is it because that's where you make the most money. Because making the most money all the time is not where you're going to get no. the best satisfaction, you know, in. So yeah, that's what I would recommend. That's perfect. Now, before we get out of here, please tell people, where can they find you? This is where you plug your website. This is where you plug your social media. And get that uh, get that going. So my website is www.sjaysphotography.com. That's that's my website. Let me say it again: www.sjaysphotography.com. That's my website. Mm-hmm. So you can you know see some of my work, and you can kind of like follow me there. And um, I'm on Instagram. Not do I haven't done much on Facebook. Instagram s j a y s dot photos. That's that's my Instagram handle there. Uh, so yeah, join me. And I, I hope to have more on Instagram. You know, get more more active in that area. But you can definitely view my site and see some of my areas of uh, where my work is. There we go. You heard it here first. I think I say that whether people heard it here first or not. I think that's no one cares about you heard it here second. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tony, for this opportunity. And, you know, I, I was a little, little apprehensive at first, but I'm so glad you pushed through. And I feel so good having been here and having talked with you. My best to you. Thanks, Mama J, for coming on and uh, telling your story and uh, being open and just sharing so much great advice for people to be able to watch and to internalize and take. And that's what this is all about. So uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you all go like, subscribe, download, share, rate, review. You all know the whole routine. Those things help tremendously. You know what would help more? Cop some merch. And that's how you can uh, help me get and do this thing full time. So thank you all for watching and signing off for stephanie jones also known as mama j we will see you all in the next round thank you boom done wow man that was good